This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. One of my many life disorientations came in the Tondo section of Manila. My friend Ray had arranged for two YWAM bases in the Philippines to invite me as a guest speaker for their discipleship training schools. Now, YWAM is... uh, short for Youth with a Mission, and it's a worldwide organization of young folks uh, working as missionaries in, in over 50, 150 countries. And it was on their first week of DTS that I discovered my friend Ray had an ulterior motive for getting me to the Philippines. He wanted to show me where he grew up. He wanted me to understand who he was and why he was who he was and so on our day off, he took me to Tondo. We left our five-star hotel by a taxi and took a harrowing half-hour drive, avoiding uh, maniacal Manila jeepney drivers in some of the most intense poverty I've ever seen. Now, I've been to Haiti a couple of times. I've been to Honduras and Guatemala. This was really bad. This was, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore, bad. Ray showed me the house where he grew up in, and actually it wasn't as destitute as I feared. And then he showed me the concrete arena where he used to box as a teenager to make money, and that was not uh, not so good. He was really excited for me to meet some of his YWAM friends that he was financially supporting, and they feed about 200 kids twice a week, teach Bible studies, do counseling, and generally try to be a living witness of God's love in what I would just have to call a hellhole. Now, John John, the man who ran the mission and his staff of three, were feverishly chopping up vegetables to throw into an enormous wok of cooking rice when we arrived at their headquarters. We were going to feed the 200 children or so, and the temperature outside had to be like 100 degrees with 100% humidity, and the gas burner under the really big wok made the inside even hotter. And being a typical American, I rushed for the chair nearest the fan. After the rice was finally ready and and put into a really big metal pot, John John strapped it with an old speaker wire onto a sidecar contraption of welded poles. Now this sidecar was attached to a little bicycle and the rubber part of the pedals had long broken off and the chain looked like it had never seen oil. And one of the staff was a single mom whose three-year-old son hopped up onto the sidecar contraption next to the really big hot metal container of rice. And then another young co-worker got on the bike and off they went, no helmets, into that crazy Tondo traffic. We went by foot and I got a closer look and smell of Tondo. We weaved our way through a maze of walkways that were surrounded by what I guess you would call homes. Actually, they were, they were just pieces of wood, cardboard and tin that were somehow stuck together with people inside. There was no apparent plan of construction. It looked as if it, it just sort of evolved like a crystal in some bad junior high science lab experiment. As we carried the benches through this crystalline maze of wood, cardboard, tin homes, I tried really hard not to throw up. I don't know if it was the oppressive heat or the noxious smells, but I was not doing well. And I was worried if I threw up, what would my friend 
Ray think. So I tried as best I could to breathe through my mouth and make it through. Well, just up Solace Street, we made a left onto Dogutang Extension and there in the open space were the kids waiting to be fed. And the nausea abated a little bit and I felt like I could breathe again in this open space. And the children and mothers were gathering and fortunately the young men on the bike with the rice and the little boy on top of the walk all arrived safely and the setup ritual began. Now once the benches were in place, two female Y-whammers began to lead the children in singing Jesus songs. It was an eerie scene. We were in this huge open space surrounded by these cardboard wood tin sky rises. The heat felt like a vice around my chest. The ladies were doing hand motions to the song, I Love Jesus, deep, 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 down in my heart. A large crowd gathered to watch the whole spectacle. People were looking out of the holes. There were no windows in these wood cardboard tin buildings. And the kids were doing the hand motions to the song too. And and I looked up and saw through one of the holes in this wood cardboard tin complex a color TV. And there was a commercial one for some extravagant Godiva chocolates. And I thought, this has to be some kind of cruel joke. How could these people ever get to taste one of those overpriced chocolates and the smell of diesel fumes, the unfamiliar spices, urine and sweat were assaulting my senses. The ladies and the children looked like broken marionettes doing this dance to the song, I Love Jesus, deep, 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 deep down in my heart. And at one point, a toothless man staggered up and he looked drunk and he gave me a vacant smile. And, and I wondered if he had to sing Jesus songs when he was a kid to get a bowl of rice. And I wondered when the hope that he had been given had died. Well, watching this surreal scene, this dance of starving children, I felt conflicted. I just wanted to scream. Just give them the damn bowl of rice, I thought. Don't make them perform like broken marionettes. Don't demean these beautiful children for God's sake. But then I thought, well, these dear Y-whammers were the ones who actually lived here in this squalor. They were the ones who twice a week lovingly chopped the vegetables and cooked the rice in that walk. They put it on that bicycle contraption to get it here. They did what they could to help these people. I was just some overfed American spiritual tourist. I was humbled by the very real commitment of these passionate disciples. Who was I to judge them? And yet, right around that point, Ray grabbed me. He said he felt sick and we needed to to leave. And I, I can't tell you what a relief I felt. I wanted to get out of there in the worst way. I don't know what was worse, the assault on my physical senses or my deep confusion on how to help in any significant way in such a God forsaken place. Well, we bid our farewells and apologies, and and we began our journey out of the wood cardboard tin maze in search of the Holy Grail, a taxi. We passed several smaller open spaces with kids playing basketball. Now, in the middle of all this incredible poverty and squalor, some Philippine politician had donated basketball hoops. The backboards were all stenciled with his name. I swear I'm not making this up. I I felt outraged. Is this the answer? Throw up a couple of basketball hoops and maybe they'll forget just how hungry and poor and naked they are? Well, it seemed like 20 minutes and we finally 
saw a taxi. Actually, it was gassing up at a, at a filling station. I felt like a life preserver had just been tossed to Ray and myself. And then my heart sank when I noticed there were five people, a woman and four children, already in the car. But then an amazing thing happened. When the cab driver saw me, he chased the five people out of the car. He told Ray they were just his family and only lived a couple of blocks down the street, and he would be glad to take the American wherever he wanted. Were they really his family? Or did he just think that some American would pay more for a ride than they would? I hate to tell you this. I didn't care. I just wanted in that cab. I wanted out of Tondo. As the door closed behind me, I sucked down the air-conditioned coolness. It was dank and mildewy, but it was cool. The cacophony of sounds was finally muted as we rolled the windows up, and for the first time in hours, I felt safe. I closed my eyes and pretended I wasn't in Tondo anymore. As we made our way back to the hotel, Ray and I didn't say a word. The, the silence was awkwardly loud, not a word. The driver finally turned on the radio, and I heard Eric Clapton soulfully slugging out a live rendition of Tears in Heaven, and through the tiny car's speakers, I heard, I must be strong and carry on, because I know I don't belong here in heaven. And the surreal absurdity of the song caused me to open my eyes, and I saw the biggest billboard I've ever seen in my life. It had a forest green background with white letters, and it only had three words on it. Hope, luxury, cigarettes. And I remembered there's an Anne Lamott line I love that says, Becoming a writer is about becoming conscious. And I didn't want to be conscious. I wanted to be comatose. I felt so many things I didn't want to feel, and the intense poverty of these children and their mothers was maddening. My own judgmentalism of the Y-whammers was embarrassing. The ineptitude of the Philippine government to allow this kind of reality was infuriating. And trying to imagine what it must have been like for my friend Ray to grow up in this environment was heartbreaking. My own inability to contribute in any meaningful way was disturbing. When we got back to the hotel, Ray said he needed to go for a walk alone. I went upstairs. I was in the shower trying to scrub off the heat and the sweat and the stench from my skin. And I had a realization I was also trying to scrub the afternoon's images from my mind. I needed escape. I craved the sweet solace that sleep could provide. I didn't want to be awake. But as I went to lay down, as my head hit the down-pilled pillow in that climate-controlled comfort of the Manila Pavilion Room 1834, that damn billboard kept barking re relentless irony in my mind. In Tondo, hope ain't nothing but a luxury cigarette. As always, thanks so much for allowing me to enter your world on your journey this day for these few moments. In closing, I'd like to share a brief poem by the wonderful Wendell Berry. It's called The Real Work. It may just be that when we no longer know what to do, we've come to our real work, and that when we no longer know which way to go, we've begun our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeded stream is the one that sings. <laughs>